Uh, good afternoon. Let's begin. Acts 2 M166, Quake. I'm going to begin um, in uh, Joel chapter 3. Joel 3. Joel 3 is prefaced by the, the Lord's plans. The Lord has a plan to uh, bring judgment into the nations. For look in those days and at that time, I will return the exiles. I'll return the exiles to Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, Joel 3. On the condition of the return from exile, thus begins this Joel 3, verse 2, and then I will gather all the nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. I'm going to enter into judgment against them there. He's doing this concerning his people, Israel, who he calls his inheritance. Because they were scattered among the nations. And he says it like this, they partition my land. And they cast lots for my people. And they traded a boy for a prostitute. And they sold a little girl for wine so they could drink. This is very emblematic of what's going on in the nations today. And the Lord asked his question, why are you doing these things to me? The Holy Spirit, the Lord is taking this seriously as a personal thing against himself. That when you come against his people or you turn against children, little boys, little girls, when you turn on them, you do it against the Lord. And so this judgment comes against the nation. He says, why are you doing this against me, Tyre and Sidon? Are you trying to get even with me, a land of Philistia? I'm going to very quickly repay you for what you're doing. You took my silver and my gold. You brought my precious valuables to your own palaces. You sold the Judeans and the Jerusalemites to the Greeks, and you removed them far from their own country. Now look, I'm rousing them from that place to which you sold them, and I will repay you for what you have done. I'll sell your sons and daughters to the people of Judah, and they'll sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. He says this, indeed the Lord the Lord Yahweh has spoken. Proclaim this among the, the nations. Prepare for a holy war. Call out the warriors. Let all these fighting men approach and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords, your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, you know this? I am strong. In NET it says, I also am a warrior. Lend your aid and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves to that place. 
Bring down, O Lord, your warriors. Let the nations be roused and let them go up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there I will sit in judgment on all these surrounding nations. I rush forth with the sickle, uh, for the harvest is ripe. Come and stomp the grapes, for the wine press is full and the vats overflow. Indeed, because the evil has been great, crowds, great crowds are in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon have darkened, the stars withhold their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion, and from Jerusalem his voice bellows out. The heavens and the earth shake, but the Lord, he's our refuge. He's a stronghold for the citizens of Israel. You will be convinced that I, the Lord, am your God, and I dwell on Zion, my holy mountain. Jerusalem will be holy. Conquering armies will no longer pass through it. On that day, the mountains of the Lord will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will overflow with the milk. All the dry stream beds of Judah will flow with water, and a spring will flow out from the temple of the Lord, watering the valley of acacia trees. Egypt will be desolate, and Edom will be desolate wilderness because of the violence they did to the people of Judah, in whose land they shed innocent blood. But Judah will reside securely forever, and Jerusalem will be secure from one generation to the next. I will avenge, says the Lord. I will avenge their blood, which I had not previously acquitted. It is the Lord who dwells in Zion. Amen. Song of praise 
Oh, my 
sacrifice of praise And I finally found something Inside of me fit to give the king That no one can bring but me song to you and here is my praise to you and here is my shout to you oh here is my dance to you and here is my heart for you Releasing fragrance into me And I choose where to give my praise And for you I give anything I choose where to give my praise Oh, for you I'd give anything And I will sing your praises Oh, I will sing your greatness And I will sing of your Can you hear 
these groans in our Let your heart open wide. Let your heart open wide. Put your mind on hold. Put your mind on hold. Let your heart open wide. Open wide, open wide. Yeah. Because you chose 
just me
Jericho in a war of grace We won't back down, I won't be dismayed His word is true, hide it in your hearts And the city's ours, let's start tomorrow message on uh, out of 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 and who's it by Kara I can't remember Francis Chan and uh, I'll put it out to all of you so you can hear it I really want you to hear it but 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4, last verse, verse 18, he says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What words? The words that he said before. Now I'm going to start here uh, with us right here because the Holy Spirit is saying this, uh, verse 13. So when you hear Francis Chan, you're going to hear probably like 1 through 12. But we're going to like pick up 13 through uh, 17. And he says, he says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. He says that you would sorrow not. And even as others which have had no hope. So those who have fallen asleep saying, hey, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant about this, that you would sorrow not. He says, even as others who would have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this, is, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, we shall not prevent them which are asleep. And this is the word he kept saying. I'm going to try to say this. Now, I'm looking for it like he says it's me. I'm going to say it. I'm looking for a pre-descent. The Lord we know is going to descend, but he's looking for a pre-descent into his people. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. And the Lord gives me this right before you playing that, Stephen, about the shout. But he will descend with, with a shout. And with the voice of the archangel, and with the, with the trump, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I kind of get this picture. Because it, it started out in this event, he's like, listen, let the weak say, let the weak say, In my weakness, he has perfected strength. Though we've been through some suffering, there's power in the resurrection. In my weakness, he is strong. No matter what, the strength belongs to the Lord. And there's this agreement while we're ascending he's descending and there's this union Christ in us Christ in us Christ in us the hope of glory oh oh just look at him look at the one the one who's paid for everything. Look at Jesus. Look at him. Look unto the one, our Savior, our King. Oh, 
Look to the spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Looking unto him, the author, the finisher of our faith. Eyes, eyes, eyes on you, Lord. Eyes fixed on you, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're everything. And in that interchange, and in that exchange, I shout. Oh, I can't help myself. So full of life. So full of the life of God. Oh, it's made for you, Lord. We were made for the Lord. Oh. yourselves we got a call right now for the gathering of the remnant all around this nation and the nations of the earth gather come together under the aid of the Lord bring us together unite our family as one 
Unite us all over this earth, Lord. Make us one, Lord, as you and the Father are one. Cause us to be one. Unite our family, Lord. Raise this family up. Even now the highways and the byways, Lord. That they'll be compelled to come in. That your house would be full. Raise them up, Lord. Raise up the weak. That we say that you're our strength, Lord. All throughout the nations, all throughout the land. Dispatch your angelic host, Lord. The ministers of your hand, Lord. Move, move, move. Oh, the shaking and the judgment has come to unite our family in great purity and holiness. Lord, we need your aid, Lord. We need you, Lord.
Nikbesu. It means gather yourselves. Say Ma there. When the gathering comes and the gathering is begun. The Nikbesu Sama when the gathering there, where? The place of his choosing. The Nikba Besu Sama. Gather yourselves there. The place that he has elected and chosen for his end time remnant gathering. He says this, Joel saying, prophesying, Joel 3, 11, he says, Hanahat, bring down. It means to pull down or travel down. It's an imperative. Coming out of the second person, it means to descend. He says this, bring down yod Yahweh. Bring down the covenant keeper. Descend in the imperative. And then we gather ourselves there in the collection of end time people. Calling down, bring down Hanahad means like to pull back the curtain of maybe of time to travel down descend or to march down oh lord march down yahweh march down yahweh march down yahweh your your gabor your gaborah we've heard this in the church this Gabura word is where Bob Jones and others got this word, the warriors or the champion breed. The end time dread champions, yes. This is all set into the context of let the weak say I am strong. It's not claiming to Someone has got whatever, whatever, whatever. No, it's, it's the one who ascribes to the weakness of that Paul wrote about later on, that Paul lived in. The strength wasn't found in the flesh, but found in the spirit of the Lord. And in that context, the prophet under the anointing of the Lord Hanahad, Yahweh, Gabor, hey, bring down your champions. Where? Oh, I believe where the celestial and the terrestrial become one. Where the body that was built that you have in the heavens and the body that's here on the earth are in full union. says to me I have a gathering here one that he ordained at 3867 you know this Job 38 verses 6 and 7 I set this place even however many years ago 20 something years ago 25 years ago 20 I don't know the exact why 
Job 38, 6 and 7, on what were its bases set, on who laid its cornerstone. When the morning stars sang in a chorus, together in union, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You know, the Lord has been looking for something. I think his eyes been roving throughout the earth, looking, looking for a unity, a unity that has come out of the dawn, one that's been awakened by the dawn and the morning star would rise, Second Peter 1, because it's the morning stars, the star children in unity, in the chorus of the Lord singing together the morning star in us the life of God's star life extending out of us he's looking for it he's looking for an expression in the earth the morning stars singing in a chorus singing in fellowship and love with one another where a unity has come in the bond of peace in the spirit of holiness. No to spend 2,000 years waiting, looking, waiting, looking for a unity, a unity of star children, morning stars. He said, there's another one. It was murky to them. And then the dawn awakened and the morning star shining bright, shining out of them, illuminating with a effulgence out from them. I'm looking for it and I will find it at 3867. And I found it, he tells me, and because he says in Joel, it must be there that I gather an elect assembly. Everything you've been through, For the greatness of the one to shine, shine, shine. Bright brightness, brightness of the, the morning star shining from us. And we sing in the chorus of the Lord. And the sons of God all shout for joy. Rejoice, I say, rejoice forevermore this battle has been won this battle has been completed spreading throughout the whole earth one voice one heart one people one faith one baptism one lord
So I ask, God has not rejected his people, has he? Absolutely not. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah and how he pleads with God against Israel? Lord, they killed your prophets. They demolished your altars. I alone am left. And they're seeking my life. But what was the divine response to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 people who have not bent the knee to bell. So the same way at this present time, there is a remnant elected by grace. And if it is by grace, it's not by works. The Lord said to me years ago, he said, you want affliction or affection, son? I was like, I want affection. You've been elected by grace. Don't go about it by works. I elected you by my own prerogative. He says, otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Has Israel failed to obtain that which he's diligently seeking? But the elect have obtained it. The rest were hardened. He chose you and elected you according to his great mercy. You're his. You're his. Irregardless. Receive the grace of God that Zerubbabel came out with with shouts of grace, grace. Receive the grace of God. Receive the grace of God, which is enough and plenty enough to redeem your whole entire soul. Receive the grace of God. Grace upon grace. For it is not by works that you've been saved. It was through grace. It's not of works, thus you would boast about it. Everything has been done for you because he loves and delights in you. It's done. It's finished.
We're undone, Lord. Your lives ain't apart from you or we are nothing. You cast our sin as far as from the east as from the west, never to remember anymore. And that you are a great forgiver. Great are you, Lord. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your great grace. I thank you for your great mercy. Blessings to you. Blessings and honor to you, Father. Blessings and honor to you, Lord, Son of God. Blessings to you, Holy Ghost. Bless you, triune Godhead. May you have all the honor. May all the glory and may all the praise of our lips be extended unto you.
things that are not as if they are and I am called to give you
shall drink by the brook in the way and there he shall lift up his head amen welcome back everybody <laughs> back from the future yeah Oh boy, how are we going to do this? I've uh, I've had a pretty good time with the Lord recently. He's been it's like he's going walking around our house or something and um he says to me a couple of weeks ago he says, "Starfighter Den." Everybody's been crying and I'm trying to laugh. <laughs> I've been crying too. I've been crying the whole time. That was very touching, wasn't it? Let's just, maybe when you take a bit, it. so touching, so touching. Anyways, and so when he started saying Starfighter Dan, I said, well, you must be getting, talking to me about the next thing we're going into and, you know, because we just came out of Starfield Astrocyte and I put up some notes on Team Reach to kind of just give a synopsis, I think, you know, the way we're looking at this or the way I believe the Lord, because, you know, this is unpacking in front of us, you know, it's not something, it's something attempting to catch up to that the word of the Lord is coming and, and bring it out. And, and so looking back at it, after Star Child was born um, in August 5th and the Lord started on this series with uh, the Starcaster Blaster and then the... Um, 
star cluster Imperium, and then we got into star field astrocyte, I realized and started to see in, in asking to the Lord, what are you doing? Is This is a restorative motif for uh, what Adam and Eve had lost in the garden. And so in, with Starcaster Blaster, the idea there was that he had given a mandate there to guard and cultivate within the garden. And man, man had failed there and had went east into exile. With this information coming from the Lord, I believe it is the imperative or that is coming from him is that I am restoring a people out of exile and putting back into your hands what was lost. And so in the guarding of the left hand, he said, uh, you guard with your Starcaster blaster. And I said, you're going to give a gun to a child? You know, but he gives the equipment that we need to deal with our enemy and to field off. And, and you know, that was fascinating because ended up in, you know, I can't prove this by a dissertation. I'm not a physicist, but in the middle of the night, one night, the Lord just takes quantum mechanics and gravitational understanding, which has not been able to really be married together before, and puts them together, and we call it quant graviton. And I go through this whole exchange with the Lord in that, and it's, and I think there's something there that if I was a particle physicist or a physicist, I would say, or if someone else is here, you might want to take my notes uh, because I got something really truly from the Lord that is groundbreaking scientifically that has not been solved among physicists as far as we know today. And so Starcaster Blaster like solves a big physics physicist conundrum. And then we get into star, you know, star cluster Imperium and I get blown away with that with the Essenes and the Qumran scrolls. That work there is phenomenal, but it has to do with the cultivation, not just the, again, the gardening in the garden, but also cultivating and proper cultivation. And then, of course, you know, we started here and they put the circle in the middle and we started with Starfield Astrocyte and find, come to find out, and I'm going to just make this like as simple as possible, that the mind of Christ, what we find out through the seven part, the seven cues, we find out that the mind of Christ literally integrates with the brain through a field and regenerates the brain. Now, this is incredible, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord has given the technology, so to speak, within these events of how he can upgrade the brain through what's called neurogenesis from stem cells and how that that works. I don't know how it works. Some of our doctors in here, some of you may know how it works, but I know that he gave those seven cues and I put those on Team Reach. And if you want to be on Team Reach with us and you're new, I don't know what you're talking about, then just talk with me afterwards and we'll get you on Team Reach so you can look at those notes. But it goes through a very, um, you know, layered approach to how the Lord does this. And I, and I really believe that Adam and Eve lived in this in, let's say, automatic. You know, it was automatic that they had the mind of the Lord and it, it was integrating with him and yet um, had made some really bad decisions. And I, I said all that, and I know that's really fast, and I'm, I don't think I'm going to go through quasi-moto from last week. But if you want the notes, they're online, and you can look at them. Today, Star, 
Starfighter Den. I have to say it like the Lord. <laughs> Starfighter Den. That's what he said to me. And I said, that's pretty cool. I, I like Starfighter Den. But I started to ask myself, when the Lord started to speak Starfighter Den, what, what, what are you trying to say? Because I never really understand him. And maybe that's how y'all feel. <laughs> we don't understand a word you're saying either, Carol. Well, hey, don't shoot me. I'm just a messenger. I'm here to deliver the word of the Lord to, that I don't understand. <laughs> Try doing that. That's every week. I don't understand. And then I'm supposed to get up and and so that you can understand Jennifer Scruggs. <laughs> or Kara Moffat, <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying, so I'm going to, so where my understanding goes right away, and in today's events already helped me to understand a little bit more, um, was Dan, and I, you know, I started to think about Dan, and who Dan is, and what, what is this Dan thing about, and have you, do you know what Dan means, uh, the name Daniel, well, Daniel means God is judge, that's what the name means. We have a son, Manasseh Daniel. That's his middle name, and it means God is judge. So, you know, my mind begins to maneuver through Scripture and centers up, and, and let's just go there. We'll start here, and then I'll launch into what I now have received as my message today, and we'll go through this together. So Genesis 49, and let me check, see if I get this right. Verse 18, yes, I am correct. So speaking of Dan, verse 17, or let's go back to 16, set the contact, context. All text is a pretext without a context. There you go. So you need to kind of check what's going on. What is going on here in Genesis 49? Jacob has given a blessing to his sons. That's the major import of um. And, and so he's going to basically give a blessing over each of uh, his sons. And so this is Dan. This is coming up on Dan. And so this is what Jacob has to say about Dan. Dan will judge his people. Dan will judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Uh, so Dan is given some form of governance in the regard of legal or law and given the ability to govern. And he says he'll do this as one of the tribes of Israel. And then he gives a descriptor about Dan, and he says, Dan, may Dan be a snake. Uh, some trans, your translation may say viper. It says, may Dan be a snake beside the road, a, a viper by the path that bites the heels of the horse so that its rider will fall backwards. The, I think the idea here is, and because in Scripture, and it, the horse sometimes, and not always, because we've got our Lord harnessing a horse and coming back on it, uh, I believe because he has victory um, over judgment. But the idea here, I think, is, is that a lot of times the horse, you know, symbolizes uh, strength. I believe it is in, I don't know where it's at. Maybe someone can give it back to me. It's in Proverbs or it may be in the Psalms, and I mentioned this because of an experience I, I have, but it says the Lord is not impressed by the strength of a man's legs. You know this? Or it says, or the strength of a horse. But he's impressed by the ones who are faithful followers of himself. And that's just one verse out of many in Scripture. It may highlight a horse in a sense that when it's looked upon as where we derive our strength, and even though we've used it for mobilizing ourselves, and even our cars today are giving what 
a horsepower that it's meant to move us and get us to the next thing. The Lord is saying, I think, through Dan is he bites the horse's heel and the rider falls off. This idea that what the Lord is looking for, I believe, in humility, that Dan is really employed in a way that where humility is not and where arrogance is or let's say a sense of false humility or another form of pride, Dan's employed to bite the horse's heel and cause the rider to fall off. That makes sense. Okay, and then, interestingly enough, I wait for your deliverance, O Lord. And this is something the Lord um, has highlighted to me. I, uh, I had a situation happen one time where I had to, a car was given to us, and I think I mentioned this in one of my podcasts, a car was given to us, and the Lord tells me to go take the, the car and um, put it at a car lot and let the car be sold and uh, in exchange for money because we're going to take that money and give it to someone else. And I remember, uh, I remember like waiting on this transaction to occur. And when I, got, well, when I got there, I go to the guy's car lot, and there was some guy here in Candler, and his name was Dan. And I remember the Lord just saying, you know, there's a process that you're going through, and you'll have to wait on this. And I was sort of just like, you know, wanting to get this money out of my hand and get it along to the next thing uh, because I wanted to give it to this other pastor and I wanted to move it. And I, and I remember just feeling this like tension. I, I want things to happen now. And it took six months. And the day I, was, I called Dan and I told Dan, I was like, I think I'm going to have to take the car off the lot because I'm going to have to move it to another lot or something. He's never going to sell it. And I don't think our price point was too high and things like that. And right at the very edge of me feeling that pressure, Dan says to me, he says, why don't we just wait just a little bit longer? Um, just, you know, because I can't get it off today and maybe we'll do something tomorrow. Well, you probably could figure it out, but the car sold that afternoon. And, and I began to learn a valuable lesson about Dan. I began to learn that, and you'll feel this. You're going to feel, you, if you don't already know what I'm talking about, I'm sure you do, but you'll feel yourself coming up to the edge of something many times in your relationship with the word of the Lord in your life, and it'll come up to a point, and you'll find that it'll, it'll get like into a shaky point, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting on something to happen, and it's not yet happened. The word of the Lord's come to you. It's not happened. And it's, oh, man, I wonder... Oh, was that the Lord? Oh, man, all this pressure's coming around it, trying to tell you that it's not true. And if you just wait just a little bit longer, the Lord's salvation will come to you. And um, if uh, you're not used to the salvation of the Lord coming to you, do you know what that implies? That you're not waiting <laughs> long enough. Because when the Lord gives you a word... And just like he had give to Adam and Eve, in the day that you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. You, you will die. And when Adam felt the pressure of his wife moving towards that, and then he saw what she had done, it says, and he took and eat, and then their eyes were open because Adam's head of his household. Their eyes weren't open before when she ate. Their eyes were open when he did. And so when we're looking at this, and when I'm thinking about Starfighter Den, the, the idea just to set the basis of this, just right in the, 
the base of this today and what we're going to like lay a foundation is, is that the rest of faith, the rest of, the rest of God, something that we've been like experiencing here that the Lord himself is seeking for a, a resting place among his people, what, that he could come in and quiet us and bring us to a place of real stillness and his word and even if his word, everything is heating up around us, getting us to move and to make a change that we would not, that we wouldn't act in a way of arrogance or we wouldn't act in a way of, you know, uh, just throwing our hands up in the air and say it'll never come to pass, that he would find a place in us where we would agree with him in the word that he's brought into our life and we would say let the word be true and every man be a liar. Let my situation be lying to me and my circumstance be lying to me. But the Lord gave me something and I'm not going to move off of it. I think the greatest problem in culture today and what's happening in the church is so much and I'm not putting this on the church or people is we get something sincerely from the Lord, something that has been given us and then, and then pressure comes and it does. Things come against that word that's been prophesied to you, that you've been, it's been said to you and you clearly know what it is. And then many times, and I'll, I'll say myself, you know, move off of the point of what the word has said and not just sit there under it and let ourselves be transformed by it and wait for the salvation of the Lord. I've, I've watched this in our own family. He will come every time and deliver. He will not, he will not leave you uh, high and dry. And if, if you're misunderstanding the situation that you're in or it doesn't make sense to you, if you'll wait on him, he'll, if you'll just ask him, he'll give you instruction. He'll, he'll tell you what's going on. So this rest of faith, um, David spoke of it in Psalms 132, and you've, you've heard me say this, that the Lord is uh, looking for this resting place, but David will speak of a place in the Hebrew as Macomb. And he'll talk about that the Lord desires this dwelling place. And then he'll, he'll say something really interesting. He'll say, rise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. He uses three different words for a place in the, in the Hebrew. I, I believe the Lord's like... Uh, in this descent and we're in this ascent and we're moving in connection with one another where we're becoming union with him out of one by one, layer upon layer saying, I'll wait for you, O Lord, um, I'll wait. And you know, interestingly enough, what's, what's the animal that appears to even um, Adam in the garden? You know, I, and I'll try to say this, and I hope I don't, everybody don't scratch their head on it because it can be a little fuzzy to think like this. My uncle, Phil, when he doesn't understand something, he calls it fuzzy. <laughs> and he'll forget somebody's name and he'll call him fuzzy. <laughs> I always say it's the funniest thing. He's like, hey, fuzzy, fuzzy? fuzzy? He'll call you fuzzy if he don't remember your name. Because it gets kind of fuzzy in his head. Oh, you know, so anyways. The snake appears to Adam. Now, if you were to think about this and what's imprinted on Adam's soul, if on Adam is Dan, which is a snake, he may look at that snake and think, hey, that's the, 
the example of what's been imprinted on me of what is my ability to make a judgment. Now, hopefully that can make sense to you, but he's, it's, it's like something's projected out of him that's the very same thing that should give him the discernment to make a proper judgment. The very snake is the symbol of Dan. So I think Adam was deceived. Deceived in this way that even the outward symbol or sign that was right in front of him, the snake is telling him and her, surely that will not happen. And he's like, that's the same symbol of apparent humility and humiliation. I I should listen to that. You have to be so careful here because our enemy is so sneaky. I think this is why Jesus will say an adulterous generation, you know, they seek after a sign. He's saying that signs and wonders will follow those that believe, but don't be going and running your whole prophetic life off of a, that sign. Be careful. I mean, be careful. And be careful about the prophetic. Be careful about it. And you know, I'm, I believe in it because prophet, the, you know, the prophecy is the spirit of Jesus. But if it violates the very word of God, you have to hold it in contention and say, no. Because there's prophetic words that are going on all around us and people saying certain things and they can lead right into idolatry. You, you, you and I, we have to be careful about the abuse and misuse of the prophetic office and the prophetic gift. Nebuchadnezzar. Worship the statue, the statue yeah, of himself. And so this idolatry and this seeing something externalized uh, we can get our eyes fixed on the external more than, as the Lord said to me, the eternal. Or the life of God in the soul of man and the kingdom of God which is within. This is a very, very crucial thing. Here it is. Here it is. The Lord has set the word of God even above his own what? Do you know this? Do you know this, Lineker? Hey, the Lineker, do you know this word? Do you know this passage? I just called you out, didn't I? I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. The Lord has, because, no, I'm not sorry. I apologize uh, for me because maybe you don't know this, but the Lord, it says in scripture, has set the word of the Lord above his own what? Name. The Lord has set his own word above his own name. You'll see this. This is the danger. There's a danger and the Lord is going about and we know because we're seeing this. There's an exposure coming to the body of Christ where name has trumped word. Where persona has trumped word. Where personhood, even people groups or even the salvation of the lost has trumped the very word of God. The Lord even has set the word of the Lord above his own, say it. Name, now you know it. Danger, 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 ranger, danger, danger. And Starfighter Dan is out with his six shooters on each side, his Starcaster Blaster and everything ready to go, looking for ping. That doesn't agree with the word of God. That's idolatry. That's adultery. That doesn't go with him. That's not real. There's something out of sync with the word. Because in this hour, 
Even the name of the Lord, which shall be praised throughout the earth, is not set above his own word. Because a generation will seek after a false lion wonders and seek after a sign. And I'll give you this sign, the Lord says, the sign that you need to look at is what? Jonah and the repentance in Nineveh. Why is this so serious? Because if Adam, as let's call him a covenantal administrator, if he would have administrated the kingdom properly, he would have saw right through that snake that looked like Dan and said, that looks exactly like what it should be, but I've been given a word from the Father. And the word from the Father says, in the day that you eat of that, you and your family and all of us, you shall surely die. So you got to get out, Starfighter Dan, because we need a discernment that is based in the word of God like never before. And I'm here with the remnant, the most beautiful people. Wendy was right. I missed y'all so bad, and I don't usually see you, but every once a week anyways, but I missed you terribly on this trip. And I don't know... Why? But no, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I just missed everybody so bad. I want to go back home. I want to be with mama and babies and my family. Out there doing the thing, whatever that thing is. It was interesting. Um, and I'm sure some of you want to know what happened. A lot of things happened. I don't have time to talk about all of it, but maybe it'll come out some way. I will tell you one thing. In the middle of Kansas City, in a prayer room that we all know about, there's a tremendous shaking going down. And I mean like a shaking that will grieve your soul. It's, it is a mess. It is a mess. And the church and globally and the connection with that whole entire work is just being shook to the core. It looks like they're going to run an investigation. I'm not sure about this perfectly yet, but not just into the the head leader there, but into possibly the whole entire team. Everybody's going to get investigated. Serious business. And, you know, just want to say, I was sharing this with Austin this morning, hey, just go ahead and run run an exam in the fear of the Lord on your own life. I just want to say, you know, I'm, I'm serious. Like, run a thing with the Lord and say, is there any unclean way in me? If there is, purge me with hyssop and let's deal with this right now. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, let's get it confessed. Let's just go ahead and deal with it. Don't, don't internalize it and hide it and hold it back. And Francis Chan says that's really good. He said, it's really interesting. We uh, keep in secret what needs to be open, and we make open what was meant to be kept in secret. I mean, that's one of the main things that I got from what he was saying. We're supposed to go into our closet and pray in quiet and give in quiet, and we make that all open. But we're supposed to confess our sins openly, and we've internalized that and kept it all secret. And it's a very good in that point um, that we need to flip that, and, and I believe that we need a culture, honestly, that is a place of confession and you're safe. That there's none of us without sin. And that if you need to deal with something, you can find someone. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to do it in front of everybody. And if you hold it, this is the thing. If you hold unconfessed sin, folks, Matthew 18 is going to cause it to be brought out in front of everybody. 
That's why I'm saying don't do that to yourself. Go ahead and find someone and say, I'm dealing with something that's really affected my life. I need to deal with it. Can I talk with you and can we pray together? And I'm going to ask the Lord for forgiveness and I want to open up to you. Find someone that you trust and go to them and say, I'm dealing with this. And let's not get ourselves into a mess like that because it can get apparently in with attorneys that are now going to like extract every little detail and layer to find that. And, and also unconfessed sin, but what about the sin we don't know about like David? Austin brought this out too, but David's got an a Ark of the Covenant on an ox cart. Well, it gets back to my earlier point. David wasn't reading his Bible. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to, which is in Deuteronomy 17. The king's supposed to write out the whole Pentateuch then um, by hand with a Levite over his shoulder, checking him on every single Hebrew letter and checking him out on it. He didn't read it. So when it's time to bring the Ark of the Lord in, Yuzah reaches out, steadies the Ark. The Lord kills him. David's mad at the Lord. And the Lord's like, you don't know your word. So back to the point, the Lord has set his word above his own name. And so anything, anything that is prophetically uh, proceeding, that is just persona driven or driven by setting someone's name above the word of the Lord, hold it in suspicion. And anything that is like, let's say, uh, setting a sign or a wonder above and beyond the word of the Lord, hold it suspect. I don't mean be a skeptic. I just mean be careful in this hour like never before. All of you starfighter dens. Because if Adam is deceived by a serpent that looks like Dan, then we too could be deceived. But we don't have to be if we'll stay immersed in Scripture and we'll stay immersed in the Word of the Lord. And I'll tell you, one of the best ways is, you know, this is like really plain spoken, but get yourself into worship as much as possible. Get your eyes on the Lord. And I'll tell you, He'll bring exactly what He wants to say to you. And He'll deal with that AI, adultery and idolatry. He'll deal with it. And He'll bring the fine tune on it. A heart's gone astray, it's headed out to adultery. My heart has got too fixed on myself, idolatry or someone else, and I'm holding them higher than the word of the Lord. He'll just come and write in and penetrate in and show you and reveal himself to you and oh, how we need him every day. Y'all know that song probably, oh, my soul needs him. Every hour I need him, right? Until in such a capacity, they become so union with us and so one with us because he's found this resting place he's looking for. All right, that is my context. Now I will start my sermon. Remember this, for thy salvation I wait, O Lord. This is the major feature, but let's go to Job chapter 17. Now begin here, and this is going to come out of today's worship set. The Holy Spirit speaking to me. I'm going to set the context here out of Joel chapter 3, verse 11, and then we'll work out of Job uh, 17, and it'll bring this thing around. In Joel 3, 11, today during worship, the words like, you will go to Joel 3, yes, sir, 
whatever you say. He says this, hasten and come, Joel 3.11, all you surrounding nations and gather yourselves there. And it, this is the translation, bring down your warriors, O Lord. Now, while I was up there, I started, and you, you heard this, I started to look at the Hebrew on this. There's this imperative in, in Joel 3.11, and he's saying this, he's saying hasten. I believe if you can hear this, the spirit and the bride is saying hasten, come. He's uh, crying out, uh, hasten the day of the Lord. Um, another In the imperative, it says sometimes, we don't think we could talk like this, but I want the work of the Lord to come. I want to see you come. I want a, a hastening to happen. It's sort of like, hey, 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 uh, hurry up. You know, get on about it. You know, someone's crossing you at a pedestrian crosswalk. What's taking you so long? You know, well, so just look at you. I'm like, don't get a little skip in your step. I told Carol one time, I said, if you're ever to hire an employee, you could go and look at the ones that are crossing the road in front of you. And if they smile at you, wave, and they hurry along their way, then that might be somebody you could look at hiring. You could get out of the car and say, um, <clears throat> are you for hire? Or, uh, you know, I need to hire somebody. The one who hastens in front of you, gives you a small wave, and smiles at you, uh, that might be someone you could hire. They'll look you right in the eye. But the one that does this, is like, you know, don't hire that one. <laughs> what? Hasten. Uh, hey, hurry up. And some people don't like that. They don't like to be talked to like that. I tell our kids sometimes, hey, let's get on about it. We got to get somewhere. Let's go. We're going to be on time. But he, he's saying it like that. Hasten, hurry up. It's time to come. He's asking here or saying, I want a gathering to happen. He says, all the nations. The Lord is looking here, I believe, for a gathering of the nations. Hey, hurry up. There's nothing worse than having to, uh, we did this military, hurry up and wait. I, I had to do that. And, you know, it's like, hurry up and wait. Which one are you talking about, Carol? I want to say this, uh, first of all, in Starfighter Dan, that the whole presupposition of waiting or this uh, for your salvation, I wait, O oh Lord, is the fastest you will ever go. The fastest you'll ever go comes out of rest. Anxiety, temperamental activity, that's not what we're talking about here. Rest in the human soul, when the Lord begins to rest in the human soul and finds his place, you will accelerate as fast. You will go full, full born. I mean, you'll, you'll go. You will be a starfighter. It's because all of our own active energy and trying to make something happen is not what he's talking about here when he's saying hasten or hurry up. The Lord's just been looking for a place to rest. He gets that, it's time to go to work. Jesus demonstrates that when he raises up the guy uh, on the Sabbath. My father's always working. The Lord himself was a resting place for the father so the father could go to work through him. Billy Graham said it this way, and I love this, and I've said this before, but um, I was a spectator watching God at work. It's sort of like you're watching him move and you're, you're being pulled. You're being pulled along with him as you observe his kingdom advancing. But you're advanced out of rest. You're not advanced out of your own energy. I love that about the Lord. He's looking for an agreement. He's not looking for you to go do everything. Now, when the Lord said, go tell the elders of Israel what I've said to you, 
And you're going to go because I'm going to raise up a work in this nation because I want to bring a blessing on my people. I told him I can't do that. And I felt like, I don't know how. And I had just been craving anonymity. I just love not being known. I actually love it. And he comes, he says, you don't have to worry about it. All I need is your agreement. I'll take care of everything. I want to say this about the Lord. You need to hear this. The Lord wants agreement. He's not looking for you to go do everything. He's wanting you to, him to proceed in front of you and just walk with him or run with him or be a starfighter. And being able to discern and navigate with him quickly as the work of the Lord comes, hasten all you nations, come all you surrounding nations, gather yourselves there. And when we were in worship, he says, I have a gathering here, and you heard me say that. Um, I have a gathering here that I've been looking for. A gathering where? A gathering there. Where is there? The place the Lord chooses. It says that in Deuteronomy. I will choose the place for you to gather, and you will gather yourselves there. Bring down, O Lord, your champions. Pull back, travel down, descend, come down. Bring, bring up, O Lord, your champions. And so um, as, as I was looking at this, tie this together, let me pull this up in the Hebrew. I particularly wanted to focus on um, this word descend or, uh, because the word kind of like highlights it and takes me into it. And it's only found in one other place in Scripture. And that is in Job chapter 17, verse 16. And, and then we're going to set a, another context here out of Job 17. Will it go down to the bars of Sheol? Shall we descend together into the dust? Now, I want to do my best with this, but this is what I was assigned to preach today. And so here we go. And I, I feel like the Lord's like, just back all the way up into Job, and then I'll take over your mouth or whatever, and I'll take you through this. And we, this people, will receive something from the Lord. I love these tailor-made messages that come right out of heaven. But, you know, it's not the easiest thing in the world to not know anything about what you're doing and then just be stuck right here in front of all of y'all. And then they say, he doesn't know what he's doing. No, nobody said that. So I don't understand him. Job 17, let's, let's begin. Let's think of Job 17 because our last verse here is the verse, this descend verse. And um, I pray that the Lord will use this to be a blessing to you, but also that your eyes and ears will be open to the revelation of the Lord to you, that you will comprehend what he's saying to you. And I look forward to hearing back from you if you want to communicate back to me what you received from this because I, I have this understanding from him right now that you will receive things from this message, that it won't just fall, it's not going to fall on deaf ears, and that he is speaking to you in particularly in this word, that he is authorized, and this is his message to us right now. Job 17, setting up the context of this descent, and also setting up the context of Joel 3 in the very center where it says, and we emphasize this in worship, and let the weak say what? I am strong. And so I think what we're doing here with the Lord is we're diving into how the Lord tills a vessel into weakness. 
how the Lord brings a vessel to complete an utter end of themselves. A soul that he can, in fact, infuse with his strength. A soul that will understand and has been brought that way. And you know why this should be encouraging for you? Because I believe that you, you people, have a penchant for this that you have been pulled by the Lord into agreeing that weakness is the path. That you took away the philosophy and let it be eradicated out of your mind that I will take up arms and I will make it my own thing and I'm going to go and get all of my own desires met. That a long time ago you left that. A long time ago you made a decision and you made a decision because he moved on you by his grace. Not a decision that any of us would have made. Uh, I'll, I'll speak for me on that. I would have tried to be the hot shot and maintain my arrogance my whole entire life if the Lord hadn't messed with me. And so let's just start out there. That if the Lord hadn't messed with all of us, we'd still be in our arrogant, presumptive state, would we not? We would. Unless grace had moved on us, unless God's great mercy had began with us, we would be in that condition. But we begin to agree, and oh, it hurt. <laughs> and I believe that it was in Job's heart like this. And Job began an agreement, and he said, I'm being moved on by the Lord, because the Lord started the whole thing. Have you considered my servant Job? The Lord's not punishing Job. The Lord is purifying the man. And he's been on this purification path for all of us. He wants, a, he wants clean hands and a pure heart. Why? So we can ascend up to him and he can descend into us and we can have this full orb connection. He's been after it. But listen to Job and listen maybe to the, how the word of the Lord comes to you. He says, uh, this comes out of Luke 4.18, a passage out of Isaiah 60. To be, and I will comfort my people Zion. I think the Lord's telling me right now, I mean to bring some comfort to uh, this people. That's what he's saying to me. I want to comfort you, and I want to see that you're laid into these words. I want you to see this about yourselves. I want you to see that the context of what you've been going through matters to me. I think this is his major thing. Listen to the word of the Lord. Job chapter 17, verse 1 my spirit is broken. Another translation says, my spirit is in ruin. It's a sense of feeling like you're finished. You're done for. It's the same kind of humility that, was, that David will say in, in Psalms 51. When the realization of his sin has been brought to him and he realizes because Nathan has brought the word of the Lord to him and he realizes, oh my gosh, what have I done? I broke every single commandment. I've done wrong. And David, you know, will say, you know, purge me with his, but please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Renew a right heart in me. Clean me. It's this kind of humility. It's a realization and Job's coming to this realization and it's going to grow inside of his heart that he he realizes that his own righteousness really is as filthy rags. He said, my spirit is broken and my days have faded out. My days have been extinguished 
Any of you feel like sometimes, you don't have to raise your hand, but I will. I've, I've felt this feeling like I'm getting too old. The word of the Lord had come to me. The word of the Lord had said something to me, and, um, and I've grown up and went so far. How would it ever be performed? Uh, my hair's turning gray. My hair is gray, you know. Uh, my youthful vitality, the strength of my youth is that I was ready to go, shotgun ready. I was Starfighter Dan. How dare you call me Starfighter Dan now? <laughs> is Starfighter Dan a geriatric? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, what's doing this deal? You know, it's like I can't even hardly move. It feels like my whole days have been faded. Like everything has come to a close. This word to be faded is it says it only it means to be extinguished. The only time in Hebrew that's used in the scriptures. He goes on and says, The grave awaits me. I am hard at death's done. It's over for me. Verse 2, surely mockery, mockery is with me. Uh, the mockers are starting. I'll tell you what, man, this stuff can really get in your head. Like, yeah, the Lord said, yeah. Yeah, he said, da, 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 da. It's never going to happen. That's not, that's, you know, that's, I've, I've become a derision. I stand for what the word of the Lord is, and everybody's like, Please. You know, and I and I think that if you, I don't know how many of you have ever been mocked to your face, but it's not a pleasant feeling. It's also not pleasant to mock your, to, to get into that kind of nature yourself. And mocking or laugh, laughter or at, at someone to deride them because of something that they're standing for or believing in is extremely hard to deal with. And I'll tell you, you know, when you're treated that way by someone else or, or had to go through that kind of thing, someone's doing that to you. You know, one of the, I don't know if you dealt with this, but it's like, I'm just, you know what? I've tried to love people. I've tried to be good, but I'm just going to pull into myself. I'm going full isolation. You know, I can't deal with this. I believe the Lord and I've stood for the Lord and then I'm treated this way. And you know, and then some people can do this to you in a different way in mocking. They can just like actually disconnect from you and act like you don't even exist. I don't know if you've experienced that. But just like you're in the same room with somebody and they don't even look at you. They don't want to see you. And they're talking about you by, behind your back. They said, my eyes must dwell on their hostility. It's like also... I didn't really have any discernment. You know, I'm like one of those people that still I probably struggle with discernment. Thank God for Kara. You know, I wouldn't hardly have, have a clue about certain things or situations if she didn't say, hey, Carol, you know, you might want to think about that. But, you know, you begin to get your eyes open and then your soul can begin to dwell on the hostility that's being executed towards you. The anger, you know, it's like, you know, some. Sometimes you don't even feel anything because you don't have any feelings or whatever. But it's like when your heart gets open to the Lord and you begin to know things and you're, you're, you're very, like, aware and you feel that biting anger that's headed towards you. And, mm, and what are you going to do? Are you going to get mad back? 
You know, you're going to come out. I'll show you how to use this Sturcaster blaster. <laughs> I'll use it on you. You know, this kind of pain that Job's going through, and I believe that many of us have been through, is, and to have hostile action or, or someone mocking us or hearing like demons do that. I know some of you have said that before. You've felt de- demons literally like using other people to assault your person come against you and the hostility come. All because of what? Not because you did anything. You were just standing there. Not because you weren't kind and gentle and loved and gave of yourself. No, only for this one thing. Because you stood for the word of the Lord. Just because you, you said, I'll, I'll just, I'm not moving off of it. I don't care what anybody says or does. And then all this action starts to come at you. And you're made aware of it. But you're not supposed to respond to it except to pray for the people that act this way. And, he's, and so he goes on. He says, make then my pledge with you. Because no one else, he says, is going to put up surety or security for me. I love this. In the transition, he's going through this pressure like this. Job's heart could be all over the place. This has to be what really begins to occur in the human heart while examining the hostility, examining the mocking, examining the hurts or whatever, the end of our life, the whole thing, all these emotions coming and the soul has to pitch up. It has to pitch up. And it has to come into this thing where it said, I'm going to make my pledge with you. I'm going to set the, my, you know, we did this Saturday night. I was at a big veterans thing. And, you know, they get everybody to stand up and, you know, put their hand on their chest. You know, stand there, sing the song and whatever. And I'm sitting there thinking about it. I mean, I'm not anti-American for sure. I love this nation and I'm thankful for it, but I'm just thinking that the pledge of the Lord is so much greater. It's like, it's so beyond that flag. That flag is beautiful, but just to pitch up out of our um, loyalty to something that seems so inferior to me, even though it's important, now, I'm not taken away from it. I am a veteran myself and I saw what's going on there, but I mean, just to pitch the pledge up. Now, because I think that when someone's hurting us or we're taking this kind of heat, even our lives seem to be threatened with difficulty and things are coming against us, it must move our eyes and our gaze up in the middle of it and find that our security belongs to him, that our true pledge. And I know all of you would agree with that. I know that you would. But it's just... um, It's like they said they should, they would, I could, I should have. And all that kind of stuff is colluding onto your consciousness and hitting you from every, it's just like, pitch up, pitch up, pitch up, pitch up. Look at him, look at him, look at him. I'm gonna set my allegiance to him. But yeah, but, but hey, you know, everything's falling apart for you. I mean, don't you see it? And anger's being ventilated towards you and you're not gonna make it. And if, if you don't go and try to land something on your own or go land it from someone else, this isn't going to work out. And Job said, no, I'm going to set my pledge with you, my economic pledge. 
that I know that you, Father, see everything and that you're oriented to me and that you know me and I can place my trust in you, that when everything around me seems like it's vacating and coming off, I'm looking to you. It's uh, back, back, Starfighter Dan, for your salvation I wait, O oh Lord. I'm waiting on you. And I would say that I believe that our Father would set us up in such a condition where we would have no other recourse but him. And we can't solve our family situation, our financial situation. We, we're not capable of solving anything, really. That our eyes would just be like, I'm pledging up. I'll pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Because no one else is really going to understand or put up security for me. I mean, no one can do this, really. I mean, who's going to take care of it? Because he says, you have closed their minds to understanding, therefore, you will not exalt them. Um, it says, this verb here, their hand is, is translated, is not raised. Or the idea is, is they're not going to ascend. I think it's said in the context that all this minutiae and hardship that Job's going through is sort of he's being put into a different idea here that I know that my Redeemer liveth and that I'm meant to rise. And my life is meant to ascend out of this and it's been trying to hit me from every side to keep me in the beat down. And my assessment is my... Daniel's assessment is God will deal with it. My father's going to take care of this. He goes on, he says, if a man denounces his friends for personal gain, the eyes of his children will fail. I mean, our culture, unfortunately, is rife with this today. It's rife with personal gain placed above covenant, placed above the family situation, the care of the children, the grandchildren. It's, I got to get this better, better, better thing, personal gain, but it's affecting us multi-generationally. So you can get all these things and trade out all these things, but what about the time with the kids? What about the time in the family? And he's saying that, you want to see your eyes of your children fail. It's to place personal gain above that relational dynamic in the home and in the family and, and, and to invest our life into the little ones. Job's observing this all around him, realizing this is the culture of his days, struggling with these things, and, and he recognizes it. Verse 6, he has made me a byword to people. I, I'm like one of those who is spit in the face. Job's case, it says, becomes so well known that everybody knows about it. I mean, hey, it's not the easiest thing when the father comes to deal with a situation in our life and it becomes exposed to everybody else. You know, hey, be careful. I mean, this situation that we have going on out there in Kansas City, it's a real struggle and it's tough and it's hard, but be careful how you look at it. Don't be the one with a, with a bunch of words that are bywords about someone going through something that's really difficult. And you know, I've said that numerous times, but be careful how you review someone else's life. Don't be so quick to, 
just think that we have some kind of idea about all the context and the setup of what they're going through. You know, that whole family is being really dealt with. It's hard on all of them. Job's going through it too, and everybody's looking at him. Surely he's done something he shouldn't have done. And um, I'm not agreeing with sin, please. I mean, you, you know, the, it don't matter if I agree with it or don't, but I mean, the text, we don't agree with sin well, in any form. But be careful how you look at it and be careful how you treat someone else. Maybe be like Shem and Japheth and back up and, and protect and be careful. He goes on, he says, my eyes have grown dim with grief. My whole frame is but a shadow. All his thoughts have been dissolved into shadows is what it says. His thought life has become a shadow dimension. If you ever get time, read Psalms 88. It's probably one of the hardest Psalms in the whole Psalter to read, but it really gets into like, you know, It says at the very end, even my closest friend has become like my enemy. You know, now I know that not all of us are going through this right now. But I think if I heard the Lord right, comfort my people because he wants to give a context for things that you're going through that you've been facing and possibly continue to face or in the middle of them. Say that out of it, but when the eyes grow dim and you can look into someone's eyes and the brightness has been taken out of their eyes and their whole frame now has become shadowed, sort of like, I don't know which way to go, and I'm feeling like, uh, you know, I'm out of it. it. says, upright men are appalled at this. The innocent man is troubled with the godless. It says, verse 9, but the righteous man holds to his way, and the one with clean hands will grow stronger. Again, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for what? Righteousness. It means again, and here we go again, Job is saying this, when I hold to my integrity, I don't move off of my, what the Lord has said to me. I'm trusting in the Lord. No matter what my circumstances are telling me, the Lord will bring um, a cleansing and I will grow stronger. He's, he's saying that, just like Job, Joel, Joel's saying in three, he says, and the weak say I am. And the weak say I am. He's saying, I know that strength will build within. I know that I'm going to be transformed. I know I'm going to be changed because I'm going to hold my integrity. Verse 10, he moves, he's moving, says here, I'm anticipating my death. You know, But turn all of you and come now. He says, I will not find a wise man among you. My days have passed. The plans that I have have been shattered. And even the desires of my own heart. I think some of you probably or possibly have been in condition like this before. This would probably be one of the worst things you could go through. And, you know, you think, how in, the Lord, how in the world is the Lord going to raise up an end-time movement out of this? I mean, a person would die. They wouldn't even make it. They couldn't take it just from the grief that they'd be going through. But I know many of you in here, and I know you've been through some stuff. 
I mean, I know you've been through some really tough places. And he's saying, but turn all of you and come. Now, I think he's looking for some wisdom, but he's saying, my days have passed, my plans are shattered, and even the desires of my heart, they're not going to come to pass. He said, these men change night into day. They say the light is near in the face of darkness. If I hope for the grave to be my home, if I spread out my bed in darkness, if I cry to corruption, all of this, oh, Lord, you are my Abba. you're sunk down into the very depths of the pit if, or if you have been and I know I, you know it's like why would you why would this be the methodology for an awakening but it is the father would bring us to the end of everything and we would say you know you're my daddy like I've come to know you in the most intimate ways and I've come to know that you're the lover, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one, Lord. I don't have anywhere else to go but to you. He says you're my father. To the worm, my mother, my sister. You know, I could say, you know, well, no, this problem is my father and this problem is my mother, but... Says, he says this, he says, where do I have any hope? Where, where is my hope and who sees it? Will it go down to the barred gates of death? Will we descend together into the dust? Well, this is, this is today, you know. This is today. Um, this is the only usage of this word in... Uh, besides the one that's used in Joel uh, 3. Will we descend together? Um, will, will our rest be together in the dust? Now, you know how it says that the Lord looks on us and he realizes we are what? He has what for us? He has compassion. I mean, you know, I wonder if our father has ordained it in such a way for Job and for this end time move that he would bring us back to the, even back to the very understanding, a deep understanding of our particulated self that's based at anatomical self, that he would bring us down to a very, atomic level and bring our circumstances to such a capacity that it would just be and that he would realize himself in us. That the place of realizing, I mean, deeply realizing who's going to do this for the human soul. They just bring the human soul all the way to the very point that it would just, it's full capacity and everything about it would just be like Every DNA, every particle would say, 
I could do nothing without you. I think you would have it be so. Because I think that that's the place of union. And I believe that, I believe that we've taken this path. I believe that's what, you know, Wendy was saying to me. She said, we're a beautiful people, Carol. And I said, yes, you are. You're the best. You're the finest people I've ever been with personally. I've seen, like, the hearts of people, you know, and you have too that just goes off and away and just travels and does their thing. And then we got this dedicated, like, to Jesus people that are dedicated even to the death, even all the way to the end of whatever, just knowing that he would come and make himself union with us, that he would find a place to rest in us. And, you know, seven times around. I don't know how you feel, but, man, when we're in these worship sets and stuff, it's like I feel like like all that particulated matter that's in here, it's just like screaming, yelling, he's the greatness, he's the glory, he's the most amazing, he's the one. You know, it, it, the more we go on, the more it's just like let every vessel, let every part of our soul give praise to him. Let the flesh that's within us it just give him the glory. I have made myself a home in you. I have found a place that I can be and dwell and make myself in union with a human. I found me a people. And it's like that little particle's got to go, but this one's going to stay. You know, I found someone who's willing to let it be refined down to the dust down to everything so that I could fully integrate myself with something that looks just like me while maintaining our own persona. Now, he's been after this. Uh, the Lord has. And I, and I think today's, you know, it would be like a call to, to, to that out of rest, uh, an ascension-descension motif would really, really be unionized and you would have you would have a starfighter dan let's stand together like a whole group of um, a whole group of um, well how is the lord ever going to raise up a champion offspring and breed of people he would have to like deal with everything that was not like that so he could come and make himself one with them i believe that's what's happening here So, yeah, well, I think the Lord, he says this to me, hey, would you just agree with me again? You know, all I need is agreement. So I'm agreeing with, uh, with that other piece of DNA that's inside of me that was out of agreement. I'm just going to set that one at agreement. You know, because I want to be fully taken over, right? <laughs> 
I want to be fully charged with the very life of God. I don't want my own life. I, I want to give up my life and let him have it. As Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake in the gospel, you'll find it. Well, I just want to make another agreement today. I, I don't, you know, say, so, well, we've been around this thing like seven times around. We've been around this thing many times. But, but the Lord said, just keep coming to me. Keep coming to me. Come to me again. Uh, come to me again. Come to me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, and I'll I'll give you the rest that your soul desires. And you say, well, I've been rest. I'll wait for your salvation, O oh Lord, and you'll rescue this next situation. Uh, and we just go from glory to glory so we can, even in this moment right here as we're closing, we can just be, we can go through another notch. Why not? We've already experienced him so beautifully in the worship. We've experienced him beautifully in this message. We experience him beautifully in this communion uh, time together. And we can experience him beautifully when we leave here with our families. And we can experience him beautifully tomorrow and the, the rest of the week. Um, and we can keep on this path of um, saying, I agree with this. I, I agree with this way, Lord. Well, I haven't understood it fully, but, you know, I think that it's called an end time awakening because it's an awakening out of death and into life. You know, Paul said that I may know him in the fellowship of his suffering and what? The power of his resurrection. Hey, so there you go. While they worship, let's go ahead and come up for communion and then we'll take it together as a family.
Carol asked me to, to lead us in communion, so other than at my house, like I've never actually done this, so um, but I'm just going to share what's on my heart, like when Carol was sharing about comfort, um, I was thinking how often in my life when my heart needed to repent, my heart needed to um, confess, I did it couldn't make myself do that. Like, maybe I knew I should, but I just couldn't, like, make my heart be that way, you know? But then the comfort of God would come, and then my heart would change, and then I'd find myself saying, God, I'm so sorry, you know? So as we eat the bread, the body of Christ, it is, it is his comfort that leads us into that place of repentance. We don't, um, we don't deserve you. 
fact that we can have just even one little taste of your goodness is just so, um, it's so beyond what any of us really could imagine. We don't deserve you, we're unworthy, but you are worthy, you are worthy, and you step in, like Carol said before, you step into those places. So thank you, Lord. Thank you for the body. Lord, thank you for the blood of Christ. And one other thought on this comfort, um, Ephesians 4, uh, it's 10 through 12. Um, it talks about Jesus uh, ascending. De- he who ascended also descended. And it says this phrase it says, And he took captive those who were captive and ascended with those who were captive and gave gifts to men. And I find myself saying as I read that phrase, Captivate me, captivate me. Where we're captive, captivate me. That's the only way we can be free. So, as we partake of the blood of Christ, just like when you drink wine, I don't know any of you in here ever drink wine, but if you drink a sip of wine, it warms you. It like, you know, and if you have a whole glass of wine, you feel really warm. Like, warm us up. And the blood of the Lamb warm us up with the wine of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for covering us and cleansing us and getting in there where no one else can. We confess our sins to you and to one another, that we can be cleansed, that we can be whole, and that we can be holy in Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. His face shine on you. Give you peace. I must get ready now 
the night. 